Hey everybody, it's Cassie with the Happy Thinker here and this is episode number 10. Special announcement everybody, I just want to congratulate Rebecca Linry for winning our last month's sweepstakes of my coaching program. This was a $1,200 value and it was a fantastic coaching program. So congratulations to that winner. Note that at the end of this podcast, I'm going to give out some details about my next sweepstakes, but it is in fact another coaching program of the same value. So if you want to enter, please go to my website. Just remember that this is a completely online program. So you never have to meet with me in my office unless that's something you'd like to do completely free through this program. Just note, you can only win this if you enter the sweepstakes. So listen for the rest of this podcast for any extra details and I'll see you soon. Today, I'm going to get a little meta on you. We're going to talk about a very deep, expanded topic. Honestly, it's pretty much the premise of my entire life coaching career, I would say. It's what I touch on a lot in various forms, but I want to expand upon it today. And that concept is our thoughts are not our reality, nor are they us. A lot of times we get this a little confused because you think what you're thinking is you, or you think what you're thinking about is your reality. An example of this is, have you ever accomplished something? really phenomenally amazing you accomplish something but yet in the back of your mind there's a little voice that starts yelling these negative thoughts about maybe your accomplishment doesn't mean anything or maybe your accomplishment isn't that impressive or there's still other people who've accomplished more or maybe it took you too long to accomplish it whatever it is that your brain decides to say that's not correlating with what you're actually doing. So you did accomplish that and it, it deserves recognition, but yet your brain and your thoughts are telling you something different. So your thoughts are not you. How this gets a little mixed up sometimes is we perceive our reality to be what we think it is. So let me have you close your eyes. If you close your eyes and think of somebody in your life or somebody that you know that you have a strong feeling about, whether that's positive or negative, um, it's sometimes easier to do this with somebody that you dislike because our brains are wired for negativity um, because it's a defense for evolution. So if it's easier, picture somebody you don't like very much. You dislike them because of the thoughts of the way you perceived either their actions or their personality or experiences you've had with them. You have a negative perception of them based on your own analysis from your own thoughts. So let's just say if we took this person that you dislike and instead of thinking about the reason you dislike them, you put them in the light so you can visualize them in your mind again 
And this time you're going to visualize them saving the person you love the most from a burning building. They save this person and they bring them to you. And all of a sudden, your perception of that person changes. Now, that was just a thought in your mind that we just did. That didn't actually happen. There was no reality change. But yet the reality you create, the idea of you dislike or like this person changes based on the way you choose to think about them. So our brains are making calculations of how we feel and think about the world so quickly and rapidly, it can be very difficult to tell what is reality and what is thought, what is truly reality and what is just the reality we've created in our mind. Because if you really think about it, everybody's idea of what the world is, how the world functions, and reality in general is their own perception of it so it's different for everyone so if you're still with me let me explain why this is a really important practice to understand and how to isolate reality from thought and how you can use this concept in your daily life to benefit you and how you're probably not using it to its best use at the current moment because The way our brains work is it's thought-feeling response or thought-feeling action. And so you get the thought and you have a feeling that because you've... So your brain receives the thought into the brain. The brain decides what they want to make that mean. So that develops the feelings that you start to feel. And then you base your actions going forward about that topic on what the brain came up with. So how do we fix this process to benefit us? Because I can give a couple good examples of times in which the brain doesn't always make an accurate assessment for us of what reality really is. We come up with this idea in our mind and we run with that thinking that it's really that way when it's a choice. That thought is a choice that we don't know if we're consciously making or not sometimes. So how do we make the choice more conscious? Well, it starts by isolating thought from true reality and getting a little meditative thought work going on. It's learning how to see yourself from the outside as if you're outside a glass door looking in on your own thoughts, being able to isolate them from yourself. This concept is helpful because when you can do that, you can see when a thought is not benefiting you at all and holding you back. Let's say you have somebody who did something kind of minor, but it changed your perception of them and you can't forgive them for it. In fact, it stalled your relationship with that person and it's also created some barriers of letting anybody in in surrounding of whatever that was. So this kind of thought maybe you didn't even think about it consciously you felt the feeling and then you decided to make the action of blocking this person out and unforgiveness in your heart this feeling of unforgiveness held on to for such a long time is no longer hurting the person that you're not forgiving but instead is hurting you much more by doing this it's not benefiting you this is just one example of when our brains have come up with an idea of the way they believe reality to be and then you run with that thinking that's you this is me i believe this when in fact it was your thought that 
that came up first. Your thoughts can be very, very negative and sound nothing like you at all. If you've ever paid attention to some of the mind chatter that goes on up there, sometimes it can be so negative, in fact, that you would never let another individual talk to you the way your mind does. <laughs> the mean girl type of things your mind tells you sometimes is way out there. So how to isolate negative, non-beneficial emotion and thought is very important and something I want to teach you how to do. So we're going to talk about that today. In order for you to get the full benefit of making sure that you can isolate your thoughts from your reality, you have to learn a skill called mindfulness and to be more specific, not just the concept of mindfulness, but detached mindfulness. This is a practice of meditation, almost. (laughs) It's more of a practice that you can do anytime, anywhere, and it's learning to be objective. So, most people have had times in their life where they can be objective. They can witness something happening without deciding to attach a feeling or emotion to it. They're just kind of witnessing it happen. We often don't live our lives this way. As humans, our brains are designed to go ahead and make assumptions and ideas and feelings and connect them to concepts that are already in our brain based on our own information that we've collected over the time we've been in existence in the world and what we know of the world. So our brains are designed to do this. Being objective is something that you must practice to learn how to be good at. So when you're practicing detached mindfulness, you must first understand why you attach to things. When you're attaching to a goal, a dream, a person, pay attention to the emotions that pop up. There might be some good ones, but there also might be some negative ones like pride, anxiety, fear, stress, um, a sense of possession. Things like these are feelings that aren't super positive. They come with positive things and living your life to the fullest comes with both positive and negative emotion. There's nothing wrong with that. But learning to isolate your thoughts and decide which ones you want to keep and which ones you don't have to keep, there is a choice, is important. So you first must learn how to detach. You can practice with things in your daily life. Witness something happening. The news is a good one to do this with because automatically the stories posed on the news are supposed to get a reaction from someone. They are designed for people to start taking sides and opinions and start talking about the topics on the news. So if you watch the news for one day, what you need to do when you're practicing detached mindfulness, be very aware of what is happening in the story that's being portrayed on the news. Pay attention to every little detail and pay attention to it, but simply observe it. So don't decide whether you dislike it or do like the story, whether it's a good or a bad story. Just listen to it as is. Automatically, things will start to jump out to you of biases that you already have. So for instance, let's say you hear about a story of someone that murdered another person 
you will automatically, if you have a good sense of morality, decide that this is wrong. You've decided in your mind that this is wrong. Now, let's say someone murdered someone and you didn't know this from the story, but it was in self-defense, legitimate self-defense. If that were to happen, it might change the way that you look at the story, but you wouldn't know that because you're not being objective. I'm not telling you that you need to decide you agree or disagree with whatever is being said or even accept what's being said. We're just practicing mindfulness and detachment. That doesn't mean you're losing your ability to be human and feel. In fact, that is not something you can lose unless you choose. So if you're scared of that, don't worry. No big deal here. We're just practicing. But watch the story on the news, whatever it is about, and watch it objectively. As if you are sitting in the person's shoes that is simply observing it and has no preconceived notions about it. When you practice this kind of mindfulness commonly and regularly, you'll start to learn to detach from your own emotions. When you do this, the emotions will still pop up because those are things in your mind. But since you've detached from them and you're looking at them objectively, you can simply acknowledge the emotion, but you don't have to fall into the feeling. What I mean by this is if you're meditating, and you're paying attention to a mindful detachment, you notice an uncomfortable sensation pop up when you see a story that hurts your heart. It's an uncomfortable feeling. You might identify where you feel that in the body. That can help you kind of idea, give the idea of detachment because you're now detaching from the, phys- the emotional feeling and feeling it physically instead. Where do you feel it in the body? What is the feeling like? Be curious about it is another good tip on learning to detach mindfully. Instead of judging your own emotions on the topic of whether it is good or bad, that feeling feels right or wrong, simply be curious. Why do I feel that? Ask questions about the feeling themselves as you notice them bubble to the surface. Then acknowledge that you feel that feeling, emotion, and sensation and simply let it work its way through until it's completely gone out of your mind. And then it move, your brain is moving very quickly. So it will move out of your brain quite quickly if you're not resisting the emotion, which is what most of us do. Instead of detaching mindfully from the situations that are presented to us daily, we attach to the feelings we have accumulated from what our brains make that story mean. And then we resist the emotion because we don't like the way it feels. So, therefore, it holds on a little longer than necessary. This tool of learning to detach will be able to give you the idea of what is actually happening and what you're believing is happening. You're getting to see the separation of the two. Now, this being said, once you practice this for a while and learn to detach, you can safely and objectively decide if you want to keep that belief and notion. If you catch yourself believing, well, murder is wrong no matter what about the situation we talked about before, then you get to keep that belief. Keeping a good sense of morality when you decide whether you want to keep a belief and a feeling because it either benefits you or doesn't benefit you is good. So let me pose it to you this way. 
A lot of people think about detaching from their feelings and they like the idea of not feeling the negative emotion, simply witnessing it happening. But what if your grandma died? Somebody you loved so dearly, your sweet grandma, your grandma died. You wouldn't want to feel happy about your grandma dying. The thought of that would be sad and filled with grief and maybe some anger and upset. Those are natural emotions that you would want to feel if your grandma died. You wouldn't want to be happy that your grandma died. That just doesn't, it doesn't seem right to you or fair to her memory. So therefore, it's okay to decide you want negative emotion in an area. You just have to make sure whatever that is, is benefiting you. You feel it the adequate amount of time and then you get to let go of whatever emotion holds you back and keep whatever emotion is perfectly natural for you to feel. So you don't have to say just because you're practicing detachment from your emotions and deciding what is thought and what is reality that you can't still make it a part of your own reality if you feel it's supposed to be there for you. If you feel it benefits you to do so. If you feel like that's what you want to believe no matter how it feels. That is perfectly acceptable and actually very healthy. It defines you as an individual and what you believe. And that's good. But when this is helpful to learn to isolate what our thoughts are thinking and the reality of things, we need to learn about perspective. Like I had the example of the murderer, your perspective of someone who murders another person is probably a very poor perspective of them. Let's say they murdered another person trying to save their only child because somebody was attacking their only child, so it was in self-defense. How would your perception of that person be if you knew that detail about the murder? That it was all because they were defending and protecting their one and only newborn baby. If it was in self-defense of their family, would you feel differently? And if not, that's fine too. You don't have to decide on these topics, whether it's right or whether it's wrong. But knowing how your perception of an event makes the event a reality for you is important. Because you get to decide how you want your reality to go. You get to decide what you want to believe and what you don't. So detaching, mindful detachment is a great practice to start. tips for really paying attention to observing your thoughts and not deciding they are reality, separating them from yourself and knowing my thoughts are not me and nor are they my reality, are a couple of concepts you can kind of grasp without me teaching them to you. One of which is like the phenomenon of awe. So being in awe of things, even things that aren't necessarily positive or negative, but just being in awe of it. So a certain smell fills a crowded street. Take in that smell. Be so present with that smell that no other thought can come into your mind. It starts raining. The feeling of the rain on your skin. Think about the way that sensory feels. You hear birds singing or the trees rubbing together outside. Think about the way that sounds. Cars rushing past. Think about the way that sounds. Focus only on the sound and be so present in the feeling and realize right then and there you can detach yourself from your own thoughts 
by learning to direct your thoughts. You are learning to direct your thoughts with sensory activity and therefore realizing your thoughts are not you. You get to demand what you want of your thoughts. Another thing that you can really pay attention to is telling yourself your thoughts aren't truth or knowledge. They simply are. This little statement has helped me a lot. My thoughts aren't truth or knowledge. They simply are. They're things that come to your brain. They just happen. They're like trains. They come into the station. Sometimes they linger for a while, but then they go. They're just as quick. So they're not neither true nor false. They just are. Another thing to think about when learning to observe and isolate your thoughts from reality is learning that reality is so different for each individual because of their thoughts. Their own reality is dictated because of the way they are thinking about it. Understanding this concept will help you later because the life that you want, no matter what that is, can be directed by the way you choose to think. So learning to change your thoughts in a more gratitude, positive perspective is important. Learning what you do believe and what you don't want to hang on to is important. So learning the concept that your reality is dictated by your thoughts is an important concept. Now, take note. The situations and circumstances that come into our lives are not always within our control. That's not something your thoughts necessarily can influence or impact, but your thoughts are influential on how you choose to feel, behave, and react to the outside factors and circumstances. So guys, ultimately, your reality is what you choose to create. Your reality can be anything you want it to be. Take note that that doesn't mean that exempts you from any of the consequences of your actions, nor does it make you invincible to any hardship. But what it does mean is it gives you the freedom to choose how you want to feel about something, how much you want to feel that, and exactly what you want to do with it. What will fuel you with your own thoughts and your managed mind? Managing your mind is the single most important tool to deciding how the rest of your future and your life will go. So take this tip and do some research of your own. Start studying how you want to use the great and amazing power of your own mind. Okay, guys, I hope you've loved this podcast and congratulations again to the wonderful winner of the sweepstakes. Quick note on that. I'm going to be doing another sweepstakes this coming month. We are today on the second, so I'll draw at the end of the month. So go to my website at happythinkerlifecoach.com. You can find me on Bing or type me into the search bar in Google and put in for the sweepstakes bar at the bottom. Okay, I hope you win it and I hope to see you guys back next week for my next podcast. Love you. Bye.